here's, here's what the Lord put on my heart. You have been, I'm speaking this somewhat prophetically, and, and you must understand, I'm, I'm saying this out of faith, and I'm just your brother, and I don't want any, there is, therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I'm not coming at you. I'm coming with you. I, I, I'm just going to speak Jesus this morning, and I'm going to love all my brothers and my sisters, and we're going to share something together. Oh, amen? And, and my heart is to say that, that we're in this together. We're in this together. And what the Lord showed me is that you have been in a three to five year passion push. You have, you have been grinding. You have been, now let me just say, I, I, I also see peace in it. And I see that it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a grind, like a horrible grind. It was a wonderful grind. But I'm saying that what it did is that those kinds of pushes have a tendency to gather people. And has a tendency to, we're a team. And has a tendency to keep everybody on the same bus, Right? Have you ever noticed if you if you if if you want to go somewhere, you have a choice. You can take a, ca a taxi, right? And that taxi will take you where you want to go. But if you want to go on a bus, you're gonna go where everybody else is going. The destination is already written on the top that we're going here. Get on the bus, sit down, let's get together, right? And, and a push that you've been on in the last three to five years has, has a great tendency to gather people with one heart, one mind, one accord, and push. And that's what's happened. And let me just tell you, the push is not over. I, I, I want to make something really clear with that. I'm not saying the push is over. But there becomes a moment when you get push and you get into something like this and you've worked and you've told and you've spent and you've sacrificed it and you've prayed and you lay that there becomes a, a moment where you go let's sit down and I, I'm talking about in the physical sense in the spiritual sense that's always a good place to be sitting in his presence at rest but I'm talking about there comes a moment where you kind of stop pushing and here's what happens. I've seen it over and over again. I'm not saying, I'm saying this is not going to happen here. But what has a tendency to happen is that people, they get a breath. They start losing the vision. And what they start doing is they start looking around at one another. And they start positioning themselves trying to find a place that, where do I fit into this for uh, the, we, something big is happening here. And they start, they start trying to uh, uh, step up on one another and try to outperform one another and start, and, and, and what it starts happening is, is you start to get this backbiting a little bit and you start to, and all of a sudden there's things that may have even been there all this time, but we didn't have time for all that nonsense. And now all of a sudden the nonsense starts coming out. And I, I, I believe with all my heart that's not happening here yet. And I believe it's not going to happen at all. But this is what the Lord wanted to show today. Is, oh, this is not about you. 
this is not about you. Come on, let's just get in your heart. This is not about you. This is not about you. It doesn't mean you can't partake. It doesn't mean that you can't be on the push. You can't be on the team. But it's not about you. Love doesn't promote itself. This is about the city that God gave you. This is about the county that God gave you. This is about the state that God gave you. This is about the people that God gave you. And I know, I know for a fact in this man's heart, in his vision, this isn't even the beginning. There's something bigger going on. There's something so grandiose that you can't even get your head around. And what we need you to do is get on the bus. And stay on the bus. And keep reminding yourself, this is not about me. And, and this is not about my circumstances. Okay, watch. Okay, this is where we're going to go. Y'all ready? Yeah. That was my prelude. Here we go. Here we go. I'm, I'm just saying this out of love. I just want to share something with you. If I can find it, where did I write it here? Okay, uh, it's under sacred cows, Johnny. Okay, there we go. Sacred cows. Uh, first of all, I wanted to define something. I noticed that there's a lot of people we pray this, uh, we, say, we say things like, have you ever, <laughs> we, we pray Father God. And what I notice a lot of people, they'll say, they'll say it in repetitive. Father God, I just thank you this morning, Father God, that we just, Father God, that we're going to have a great day. Father God, and Father God, I just love you, Lord, Father God. And Father God, I just thank you that we're going to have this day. And Father God, I just, Father God, and Father God, and Father God. And I think sometimes what's happening, not that there's anything wrong with saying Father God. I think what happens is this, we get into some learned behavior. And what I, what I wanted to remind us is what Father God means. Come on. Father God. God, Father God is this. Father God, it, it literally means I came forth from the source of light. Father means I came forth from. God means the source of life. Father God means you came forth from the source of light and love. Come on. I think it's just a moment where I just, it's just something you got to remind yourself of who you are. Your identity is everything. It's interesting, and I'm just going to kind of wing it a little bit here, but it's interesting that, that Jesus is, comes to John the Baptist, who's baptizing and proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. John the Baptist sees Jesus, and he says, there he is. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, right? And then he baptizes Jesus, and Jesus comes out of the water, and immediately the voice from heaven, the from Father God says, that's my son. That's my son in whom I am well pleased. Come on. But what's interesting is he goes, Jesus goes from there to the mount, where he fasts for 40 days. And this is something I think that sometimes we forget because we've been doing church so long. We forget that he was fully God, but he was also fully man. Fully man. And sometimes we just think, yeah, fully man. He's still God. No, he was completely man as much as he was God. And he did that because he loves you. So he comes and the first thing that happens, his, his flesh gets weakened. Why? 
Why did he need to go through that? Because your flesh gets weakened. He's, he's putting himself in your position so he can teach you how to overcome. Oh, man. And the very first thing that happens is Satan comes to him. He just said, he just heard, that's my son. And the very first words out of Satan is he walks on. When Jesus is at his lowest point, Satan comes and says, if you are the son of God. That's how he works. Come on. Come on. If, if, if Satan knew is attacking Jesus with his identity, don't you think he's coming after your identity? See, mm, <laughs> I'm going to go all the way back. We're going to talk about sacred cows. I'm going to say some things this morning that you may not even agree with. I'm going to say some things this morning that, that it may bother you, and I'm okay with that because I want you to go home and study it yourself. Don't ever take the word of somebody. Go home and get in the word and learn it yourself. I'm sharing you what the Lord showed me. And there's some things that we have grown up in. There's some things that we have grown up with that have become things that just attach themselves and we don't even recognize the stuff coming out of our mouth and the wrong beliefs and the wrong thinking that we're just walking in freely. And one of those things is, uh, oh, let's go all the way back to Adam and Eve. I'm going to try to make this, Lord, just thank you, Father, that you're going to communicate this the way you communicate it with me. Here's Adam and Eve. They're walking in the garden naked. Say naked. naked. Now say it country style. Naked. naked. They're walking naked. You know why they're naked? Whew. They're naked because there's nothing between them and God. They're fully transparent. They're fully focused on their spirit, man, and not their dirt. Come on. And here they are, spirit beings, and they're walking around with no clothes on. Then Eve eats of the apple, and the very first thing they notice is what? That they are naked. So what does Adam do? What does Adam and Eve do? They fashioned themselves fig leaves out of what? Shame. Why would you be shamed? Oh, man. See, sin entered, and when sin entered, they became shameful of what they had already been. They'd been naked. They'd been naked all this time. And now all of a sudden, they're ashamed of their nakedness. And they hide from the Father. See, that's what sin does I'm, I'm gonna be very careful because we so I believe we are too much sin conscious but what happens is what sin when the fall of man happened sin entered into mankind and the first thing they did is stop looking up at him and they look down at what's wrong with them and what did it do it hid them from the father it separated them from the Father because they got focused on what's wrong with them instead of what's right with Him. So then they hid themselves with fig leaves and hid themselves in the bushes. And God comes walking through the garden and He says, where are you? I love that because you know He knew where they were. 
where are you? He said, that woman you gave me. <laughs> Lord, I'm not going to go there. And he said, we're naked. We sinned. We're naked. Shame. Shame. And what does God say to them? Come on, this is so beautiful. I'm going to get to the scripture in a minute. I'm just setting up. What does God say to them? Who told you you were naked? Who told you that? See, that's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is that you focus on your shame. The lie of the enemy is that you focus on your failure. The lie of the enemy is that you focus on what's wrong with you. The lie of the enemy is that you focus on covering yourself up. The lie of the enemy is that you focus on hiding and playing and pretending and ignoring and trying to get away from Father God. That's a lie. Who told you? Who told you that you're a failure? Who told you that you're a liar? Who told you that you're a deceiver? Who told you that you're an addict? Who told you that you're an angry person? Who told you that you'll always be defeated? Who told you you'll never amount to anything? Who told you that you're broke? Who told you that you're a, that you're a shame of your life? He's a liar. Come on. Mm. He's a liar. I think it's even funny, and I'm going to get into the scripture right now, but I think it's funny the, the God puts them out of the garden, right? Sin puts them out of the garden, and mankind is separated from God. Whew, come on, man. I hope you're, golly. But God doesn't separate himself from them. We think all the time, all the time I grew up, I believe that, that they put him out, God put him out of the garden, and he went back to home, went back to heaven, Right? And let them just tall and snare and have problems and deal. You deal with it. You chose this. You put. You made your bed and I lie in it. But if you read the rest of the story, that's not what happened at all. God literally went out and He killed a couple of animals, and He took the skin from the animals. And Father God clothed them. Oh, just let that sink in. He, he had them naked. He had them transparent. They chose poorly. They messed up. They missed the mark. And instead of kicking them out and never talking to them again and forsaking them and turning away from them, he loved them even in their failure and covered them. All oh, the love. The love that a father has for his sons and daughters that even in your mistakes and even in your sin and even in your shame, he covers you still. Ooh, man. So what I want to do is I want to show you. I'm going to start with the, 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 the John the Baptist story. And I want to show you something that happened in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 1 through 11. New King James Version. Are you all with me this morning? Come on, you can smile at me. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not going to hammer you. We're, this, is, this is love this morning. This is good. This is good. God is good this morning. I'm thinking as you're turning there, I just was processing the whole, you know, when Jesus is being tempted. Let's kind of go back to turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 through 11. But when Jesus is on the mount being, being 
you know, going through temptation, right? Satan says, if you are the son of God, remember that? Turn these stones into bread. I was telling Gail, we were driving yesterday, I said, you know what's crazy about that? I believe he could have turned those stones into bread and, and would, would not have hurt his mission. If Jesus wanted to turn those stones into bread, he could have and still died and still forgiven you of your sins. Come on. He could have still done all that and, and ate. You know why he didn't? Two reasons in my heart. This is, this is just my, what the Lord was showing me. I think the two reasons that Jesus didn't turn to bread, the rock stone into bread is number one, because you can't do that. <laughs> See, you're going to face things in your life. You're going to face low times. And, and, and there's going to be times that you're, go, that you're going to want to usurp the authority and the waiting of the Father and the trust, what he, the plans that he's got for you. And you're going to want to run out there and take a hold of it and fix it yourself. And the Father I mean, and Jesus said, you know what? I want to show them how to finish the race. I want to show them that it's not by might nor by power. Come on. It's not, I don't need to go and lay hands on this and, 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 take, and do what I want to do right now. I want to show them how to go ahead and finish walking this thing out. There are going to be tough times in your life when you're facing a bunch of stones. And the temptation is to put it into your own strength and your own might and go out and make this happen and fix the problem. Especially, we, you know, a bunch of men, we're going we're gonna to put a bathroom in here. <laughs> we're going to fix this problem. Right? And that's the temptation on some, and there's certain things you can't do that. There's certain things you need to sit down. And you need to be at rest with the Father. And so Jesus, what he does is he says these words: It is written. Why the whole point of that is to show you that's how you overcome with the word of your testimony. Come on. With the word on oh my word. And I just think it's this, this beautiful moment where Jesus is facing hard things. And in this life, we're not promised not to have hard things. And he showed us how to get through the hard things. Is don't put it in your own strength. So let's go to John. John 1 through 11. Do we have it up on screen? John 11. I mean, I'm sorry, I said Matthew. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. So now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Next. Just flow with me. And when John had heard in prison, which John are we talking about? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. That It was out of John the Baptist's own mouth that he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Behold, this is him. This is the one we've been waiting for. The Bible even says in Luke that, that when Jesus and, and John met for the first time in water, come on, the first time they met was while they were still, before they were even born, they were in water. It says, the word says that John inside the womb jumped because he recognized God is here. 
The next time they meet is in the water. Oh, man. And they come up, and Jesus is walking up, and, he, and John recognizes him and says, that's him. That's him. I know it's him. And says it with de declaration. And then, well, I think what's interesting, this is kind of crazy. They went their separate ways. Anybody ever recognize? I mean, read that whole story. Okay, just put yourself in their shoes for just a second. In John's shoes. You've been proclaiming, sounding out, the coming of the Messiah all this time. That's your entire ministry. And you're baptizing people and proclaiming. He's out there with stuff in his teeth and honey on him. And he's just a nasty. And he's been on a mission this whole time. And Jesus walks up and he says, that's him. That's what we've been waiting for. This is what it's all about. And then they get done and they go their separate ways. I just thought, I, in my mind, I'm thinking... Why didn't John just pack it all up and saying, we follow in Jesus? Yeah. He's, that's, there, there he is. That's the answer. Let's go. Yeah. But they go their separate ways. And John gets himself in trouble. John's in prison. I'm not going to go through the whole story. John's in prison. And he's about to lose his head from King Herod. Come on. In those days, we, we think of prison. We got this like nice thing. You got three squares and a cot and all that. Yeah, cable TV. You know, you got a, a clean room. This is, this is the worst of the worst conditions. John's circumstances have eroded. John's whole life is fumbled and tumbling down. And his everything, everything is being shaken and stirred. And everything is getting hard. And he's all of a sudden, that thing that he thought that he knew. Come on, this is you. I'm hoping you hear this. That thing that he thought that he knew, that he knew, that he knew. And proclaimed out of his mouth and believed in his heart. All of a sudden, he wavers in his faith. And he says these words takes his disciples and go ask, go ask Jesus, are you really the one? I want to show you something. You know, where, you know why he wavered other than his circumstances got hard, right? There's another reason why he wavered is because, boy, this is one of those sacred cows, because Jesus didn't look like what he thought he would look like. Come on. Jesus didn't act like what he thought he was going to act like. They've been preparing for Jesus all of this time. All of these years they've been ready. And they have a certain picture and a certain mantra that Jesus is going to come in with a sword. And he's going to take back. And he's going to take back Rome for the Jews. And everything's going to be hunky-dory. Watch. I'll show you. Go to Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. And go back to that place when we're done, brother. I know I'm all over the place. Or you just leave it up there and let's go to Malachi verse three, chapter 3, verse 1. Malachi is the last book of the Bible. I mean, of the Old Testament, not of the Bible. <laughs> Boy, that's, that could have turned bad right there. Malachi chapter 3, right before Matthew. Come on. Watch this. Malachi first, chapter 3, verse 1. I want you just to hear this. Let's just read this. It says, Behold, I send my messenger. They're talking about this is Malachi is proclaiming the prophecy of the Messiah, Jesus coming. Ready? Behold, I send my messenger. 
Yahshua, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand with when he appears? Well, for he is like a refiner's fire. Come on. And the launderer's soap, he will sit as a refiner and as a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, and he will purge them as gold and silver. And they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness, then the offering of Judah. And it just goes on and on and on. And they're painting a picture of Jesus coming in, and he's going to purge them and refine. And it's going to be bad for everybody but the Jews. And that's the way Jesus has been, I mean, uh, John the Baptist has been saying it. He's been preaching it. He's been teaching it. This is what Jesus is going to look like. This is what Jesus is going to act like. And Jesus comes in like a lamb. Not with a sword. He comes in as a lamb. And what does he do? Come on. He loves. He just loves people. He heals the blind. He feeds people. He restores people. He loves on people. In the middle of all this thing, John the Baptist is about to lose his head. He's in a dungeon. He's covered in filth. And it's just the, this horrible circumstances of his life. And, he, and he's hearing about this Jesus that's just going around loving people and healing people. You know what I'm saying? He's like, Are you, can you go ask him if he's really the one? Because it's not lining up with the word. Can I just stop for a second? I'm going to say, I'm going to just tell you something. Be careful. Be careful who you're listening to online. Be careful, these people. I, I don't want to get into it too much. I'm not, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of people out there that are just so viciously angry, and they're out there just talking about, you know, you, 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 you got to teach hell, and you got to teach it hot. And if you think about it, they're pulling out swords, and they're cutting people, and they're just, and it's all about warfare. I'm telling you, seek out. Love, joy, peace. Don't, don't be getting caught up into these angry, vicious, cruel people that call their ministry turning other people in. I just, I'm just, be, be careful with that. And Jesus, they come to Jesus. We're almost done. I just, I just want to walk this out. I want to show you something. They come to Jesus, his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, and they say to him, John, wants to know if you're really the one. And what does Jesus say? How dare you ask me that question? How dare you? Don't you, didn't you just get through saying that I'm the son of God? Didn't you say I'm the behold the lamb of and, and just run him? Is that how he did it? No. He says, go and tell John this. Come on. Let's go. Let's go to, um, go to, um, go back to Matthew chapter 1 verse 11. I mean, uh, okay, for Jesus had to say, go and tell them the things that which you hear and see. Next verse, watch. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to him, to, to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Watch this, watch. I just want to show you something. You think those words are just, Funny, just like a nice little thing. Go and tell them that things are good, right? No, no, no. It's better than that. 
Watch this. Turn to go, to, go to really quickly to Isaiah chapter 29, verse 19. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 19. Isaiah, I don't have my Bible marked this morning right there, so if somebody could. Isaiah chapter 29. Is anybody there? Read that for me. Isaiah, why, I mean, I found it. Isaiah chapter 29. Jesus. I know it's all going to come together. Thank you, Lord. Chapter 29, verse 19, right here. Watch this. This is, this is what Jesus quoted. This was written 600 years. So John the Baptist is focused on Malachi 3 as because Malachi was a, was a prophet, right? But guess who else was a prophet? Isaiah the great prophet. And he spoke these words. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For, they, for the terrible one is brought no, no, nothing. The scornful one is consumed. And all who watch will... In, 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 did I get the right? Yeah. Who make an offer to the Lord, and, the, and they lay a snare of him who reproves the gate and turn aside the empty... Therefore, thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house, Jacob shall not be ashamed, nor shall his face grow pale. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I guess, oh, here, I, I went too far. I, the end was 19. Go to 17 first. Man, I don't know what happened right there. Oh, it is behind me. Good. Is it not yet a very little while till Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest? Next verse. In that day, the deaf, come on, the deaf shall hear the words of the book and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Verse 19, and the humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord and the poor among them men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. What Jesus is doing is reminding John, I know you had a Malachi 3 perspective of me and your, in your self-righteousness, in your religiosity, and the way that you wanted to see me come in like a roaring lion. But you forgot about Isaiah. You forgot about what Isaiah said. Isaiah, I'm not coming in the way that Malachi said. That's a different, a different time. I'm coming in like this. And what that, can you imagine? Can you just imagine John the Baptist back? He's back in prison. He's still there and the disciples come back to him. And he says, he said, uh, behold, tell them what you've seen here. The lame walk and the blind and the poor and all that. If, I think that was the most loving message Jesus. We think he might be condemning him or rebuking him. I think he loved him with that message. Because John knows the I mean, John the Baptist knows the word. And when, Jesus, when the messengers came back with the word of Jesus and he quoted that scripture, John knew that scripture. And he's like, oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot. Come on. This is where I'm at, Passion. This is where I'm at. We're landing right here. This is where I'm at. It's sometimes you can get so working in the ministry and you find your identity in the ministry that you forget 
that it's about the people, not about the ministry. The ministry's for the people, not about you. And sometimes what we can do is we get so clouded, our judgment, and we get so perspective of that this is our mission and this is what we're doing, and this, and we lose sight of that he's healing people and restoring people and loving people. And it's about the people, it's about the people, it's about the people. We put our perspectives of what we grew up with, these sacred cows that we think it's all about going to heaven someday. That I'm just, I got saved. Let me just break some sacred cows right now. Are you all ready? I'm going to say this to you. This is a hard thing to hear. You were not, oh, Jesus had to die because of sin. We know that's true. But he didn't die for your sins. What? Well, no, wait, I know that's, that's a sacred cow. He had to die because of sin, but the reason he died wasn't because of your sins. I grew up my whole life thinking I put Jesus on the cross. My sins put Jesus on the cross. That's not true. Jesus put Jesus on the cross. Jesus didn't come. He came to, re your, had to die for your sins. Yes. To eradicate sin once and for all. What Jesus came to do was restore you back to your nakedness. Restore you back to your Father, God. Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. To take away the sins. You don't have to walk in shame and guilt that you did something that put Jesus on the cross. He put himself on the cross. He put himself on the cross so he could take away the sins of the world so that you and me don't have to focus on our sins that we could see that we're back to being able to walk in the garden. Come on. You have been given the greatest gift. He came that he might give you what? Life. Life. Remember what, he, what was told to eat? If you eat of this tree, you will surely what? Did she, did she physically die? No, but there was a broken relationship there. And that was considered death by the Father. So what did Jesus come back to give us? What Adam lost. So we have this whole mentality of this, I'm just a sinner. I'm just this terrible tick on the back hair of God. I'm just the lowest of the low. I'm saved by grace through faith. You were saved by grace through faith. You're no longer your past. You're no longer your sin. You're the righteousness of Christ. You've been made whole. You've been made complete. Stop focusing on what's wrong with you and focus on what's right with him again. You're looking at your circumstances the way that John did. You're looking at your, your yesterdays. You're looking at your failures and your mistakes. There's many of you who came into this morning burdened and heavy laden. And Jesus says, if you'll come to me with your burdens and your heavy laden, I will give you what? Rest. So why are we at rest? I'm going to end it with this. Whew. We have a wrong perspective of the Father. I'll give you an example. This is a great example. I don't know what time it is. I just, I want to, I want to leave you with this. Jesus, 
has just got through feeding the 5,000. And he goes to the disciples and says, let's get in the boat and let's go the other side. He said it. Let's go the other side. That's Jesus' words. Let's go to the other side. Are you all with me? In that process, Jesus climbs in the boat, grabs a pillow, goes to sleep. He's already declared and decreed, we're going to the other side. And guess what happens? In the middle of the process, see, this is, this, is, this is me just loving you as a body. In the middle of the process, a storm comes. Hard things happen. A storm comes and, and, and the disciples, come on. I just want you to understand, this is not some just little storm. These are professional fishermen. They know the sea. They know, they've seen every storm come and go. They know it all. And this storm is a big one. And it scares them out of their wits. They start freaking completely and totally out. To the point that they see Jesus who's asleep in the boat. And so they go and wake him up. And what do they say to him? Do you not care that we perish? These are the best fishermen in the world probably at that time. They know it. They, for them to get to that level of complete freak out moment. <laughs> and they wake up Jesus. Why do you think they woke up Jesus? Because he's Jesus. <laughs> and he's in their boat. That's a pretty good thing, right? And Jesus, what does Jesus say? What is the response that Jesus has at that moment? Oh, you... <laughs> He said, let me sleep, bro. <laughs> kind of. That's kind of what he said. This is what he said. Oh, you have little faith. Watch this. This is how I've taught this my whole life. My sacred cow. My sacred cow is, I wasn't supposed to wake up Jesus. He's given me all authority. I'm supposed to stand and face that storm, and I'm supposed to speak to that storm. And that's true. I'm not saying that's not true. That's true. I'm supposed to be the one that's walking in his authority and his his, I have his dominion and his power and I can stand in the middle of a boat and I can stand in any kind of storm that passes, comes my way and I can speak to that storm. And that's true. That's a good perspective. But I want to show you a different perspective that the Lord showed me on that same thing. You know what really, why Jesus really said, oh, you have little faith, is because they lost their nerve. They let their circumstance dictate their peace. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And it was a done deal. And Jesus sat down and went to sleep because he spoke it, he said it. And bottom line is no storm in hell, no thing that could come against you should bring you out of your peace, should bring you out of your rest. I told you we're going the other side. So the bottom line is you, little faith, is you really didn't trust my words. Oh. That's what really, really what Jesus was showing me is that, yes, we have authority to speak to the storms, and you should do that. But really, what gives you the authority to stand in front of any storm is that you know that you know that you know the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord is, we're going to make it. We're going to get to the other side. 
Don't freak out. Don't get into it. See, this is, this is what we do. This is human nature. We start picking up the oars. The storm's coming. And we start freaking out. And we're trying to outrun the storm. And we're pulling into our own authority and our own abilities and our own strengths. And we're just, we're going to outrun the storm. And then they found, oh, that's not working. And this isn't working. And that's not working. And finally they turn to Jesus. Oh, that's how we do it. And look, that's a sacred cow. You don't have to, oh, don't toil and snare. Don't get into your own strengths. Don't get into your own abilities, into your own, I, my humanness. Come on. The Lord said, we go on to the other side. If it didn't bother him, why would it bother you? This is my heart this morning. You're going to face some circumstances and some storms in your life. Storms come. Storms come and they blow and it's hard. There's hard times. Most of you in here probably had faced some really hard storms this last year. But he spoke a word over you. He spoke a word over passing church. You may be thinking you're in prison. You may be thinking you're locked up. Maybe things aren't going the way you thought they would go right now. Maybe, maybe you thought your ministry, this, this was going to happen like John the Baptist says, and this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And it, and it all got changed and turned around somehow. And maybe it's not happening as fast as you want. We're going to the other side. It's okay. Just be at rest. I got you. We're going to make it. Don't, don't, don't try to stand up and take the reins yourself, cowboy. Don't try to... Don't, don't try to make a, do you remember the story of the golden calf? Okay. You know, all my life, I thought that the story of the golden calf was that Moses goes up and says, hey, I'm going to go meet with the Lord, right? Stay down here and wait and I'll be back, right? And they got tired of waiting and they got into fear and worry and stress. So in their humanity, they try in their manliness and their and I got this. They went and built another god. That's the way I always thought they built another god. You know, Lord, when I was reading through that again, Lord showed me they didn't build another god. They weren't they weren't rejecting God. That wasn't the problem. The cow wasn't the god. They built a golden calf to worship it because they didn't know what God looked like. All they knew is that we don't know, we don't understand, we stopped waiting on Moses, we stopped trusting the word over us, and so what we're going to do is do the only thing we know to do, which is what we've been doing and what our ancestors did, we're going to build a golden calf and we're going to worship around it. What the real problem with it wasn't that that cow became some kind of God to them, it's that they didn't trust the process, that they took it in their own strength and their own might. To fix what's wrong. And they, they, got, they allowed fear and stress and worry and anxiety and doubt enter into their minds. And so they did what they thought they should do. Instead of just sitting down and saying, no, he said he'll be back. He promised us that he'll come back. Come on. Let's, why don't we just wait on the Lord? Why don't we just trust his word? Why don't we stop trying to fix everything? Why don't we just believe? Somehow, I got it. This is it. I'm closing right now, I promise. Somehow, we've turned Christianity 
into what we can get from Jesus instead of what he's turning us into. We've become selfish. Come on. We, me, it's all of us. We've become, you know how I know this? Watch. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you could go to heaven. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you could have prosperity. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you could have protection. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you could have all these blessings. That's not what Jesus died for. Those things come, right? Come on, come on. I know this is a sacred cow to you. I know that it's hard. I know that you're sitting, Jesus didn't die. I, obviously, heaven is a gift. We get heaven. We get protection. We get provision. We get all the blessings of God, all those things. But that's not what he died for. He died so that we could be back with the Father. He died so that we could be restored and renewed and whole and complete and, and free, completely and totally free. And somehow Christianity, we made it about what I get. We made it about my, I'm praying for my, my, my Cadillac, brother. I'm praying, uh, what is, pray, pray, get it, blab it, grab it, whatever, all that stuff. You know, it's, it, that's what Christianity, someday I'm going to, this is not my home. I just can't wait to leave this joint. I can't wait to get out of here. This earth is such a hard place to be. I don't, this isn't really where I belong. I belong in heaven. And there's streets of gold and gates of pearls. And he's up there building me a mansion. He's doing all that kind of stuff. Listen, he's in you. He's in you. For such a time as this, you shouldn't be trying to get out of here. He put you here. He literally put himself inside of you and then placed you on this earth on a mission. And that mission is not about you. That mission is about loving your neighbor and loving your God. Love God Love people, love God, love people. Yeah. It's not about you at all. It's about the thing that is, that if you want to say it's about you, is that he loved you enough that he made you naked again before the Father. Come on. Let's play something like you, like that's so good. What he wants, what Father wants from you, Father God, is he wants you restored the way to what Adam lost. He wants you naked. And by that, I'm not saying the weird nakedness. Don't nobody get naked in here. I feel like somebody I needed to say that for. I'm talking about spiritually. Come on, spiritually, he wants you nothing between him and and you. He wants you free. He wants you to understand that Jesus came to restore you. And with that you get eternal life. With that you get abundant life. With that you get heaven. With that you get provision and protection and blessings. Well, all those things come. But really what the best thing that you could get is that you get to be a son of the living God a daughter of the king of kings, and you're restored to what Adam lost. And what we've done is we've become so selfish 
that we make it about our marriage problems. Come on, could we play something? Because I'm just, I don't want to. I, I want you to hear my heart this morning. I just want you to, I know that I've gone long, and I know that this is a lot of stuff that's maybe I seem all over the place, and maybe I am. But my heart is to say this. It's not about your finances. It's not about your marriage issues. It's not about your kids driving you crazy. It's not about your job. It's not about the church. It's not about your past. It's not about your failures. It's not about your anger. It's not about your addictions. It's about Jesus. And Jesus... What we do is we, yeah, but she said this to me. She hurt me. But see, I thought you were a dead man. I thought when, when I baptized you, the old man died. And what, what the greatest gift is I, I gave you new life. And you're a brand new creation. And your circumstances shouldn't steal anything from that. You're a brand new creation. Oh, but my boss is such a jerk and I can't wait to get out. I thought you were a dead man. I thought you were dead to that. I thought that you were fully restored and fully renewed. Oh, but you don't know. You don't understand. My, my money's acting funny. So you lost your peace and your joy and your hope because, because of your circumstance is what you're telling me? How about this circumstance? You're a brand new creation. I gave you life. There's nothing better. There's nothing on this earth that's better than to remind yourself every single day, I'm a son of the living God. He came and took my sin and my shame away, and he buried that old man, and behold, a brand new creation stood up. And I'm not, I'm not going to be looking at storms. I'm not letting my circumstance take. It doesn't mean that the storms don't come. It doesn't mean that there's not moments that I get. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be weird about it. I'm just saying it's not going to steal my joy. It's not going to steal my identity in Christ. It's not going to steal my peace. It's not going to steal my hope. I am the king's kids. I've been restored, I've been renewed, I've been whole, I'm complete. There's nothing missing in me. There's nothing broken in me. My past doesn't make something missing in me. I don't need uh, I don't need to wallow in what my daddy did to me or what my some guy down the street did to me. That's my past. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been renewed. I've been set free. I don't need to hold on to that. I don't need to hold on to what happened with my previous marriage. I don't need to hold on to, to what's happening in my, in, my, in my daily life. That is not who I am. Satan is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And the way he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy you is make you look at you and focus on what's wrong with you. Here at Passion Church, I know your pastor's heart. Oh, we've got a great call here. There's a call on your lives. There's a mission. Yes, we built this church. Why? Because there's a mission to win. We've been brought here by the King of Kings. 
not with a sword. We've come in here and we've built not a sanctuary to keep people out, but a, a, a hospital to bring people in. We don't judge them because of their sexual preferences. We don't judge them because of their political, political sides. I mean, yeah, I have my opinions, and yeah, I get upset, and yeah, but you know what? Bottom line is, that's, that's the, that, that's, that guy's got the blood of Jesus. I mean, okay, Let, let's not get too theolo theological. That guy's got the breath of God in him. The breath of God was blown into that human being just as he was blown into me. That's a child of God that doesn't know it yet. They don't even know it yet. And how will they know unless you tell them? Unless you what? Tell them with the horn and pictures of dead babies and screaming at them and uh, you're all going to hell. Is that how you tell them? Or do you love them? I mean, kindness, yeah, and love, yeah, but I'm talking about sacrificial love. I'm talking about standing beside them and loving them even when you don't, you don't want to. Come on. I mean, that man, I don't even know if I can go there or not. I, I mean, you, I mean... If you, I'm, I, I'm sorry, Lord, Holy Spirit, if you are focused on what's wrong with you, you easily lose track of what's right with him. And if you lose track of what's right with him, you lose track of his heart. And you lose track of his heart, then you lose track of his mission. And just like John the Baptist, he lost, he forgot that he was there for a purpose and a reason and that he was there to proclaim the coming soon and coming king. And you are his light, his life, his breath is inside of you and you can let your circumstances usurp and pull all of that out and you're no different than they are. You're the light. I think as we're just thinking right here, I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to just to think, I did not plan on doing this, but I'm just giving space to the Holy Spirit right now. There's things that are in your life that have entangled you. Circumstances, storms of life, things that are going on in your in your everyday life, there's some of you fought coming here with your with your spouse or your kids, and and you're 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 sitting there angry, and you're thinking, as soon as I get home, I'm going to do this. And there's some of you that came in with debt so heavy that you don't even know why you're going to face tomorrow. There's some of you that are just angry. There's some of you that are dealing with secret sins, secret things that have just entangled your feet entangled your hands put you in prison to a prison you never never wanted to be and never never thought you would ever be some of you feel hopeless some of you feel anxiety and sadness what if just listen what if those are all tools of the enemy take your focus off of Father God 
And what if you're being played like a puppet? And what if this morning we cut those strings and say, Satan, you have no authority over me. I'm a son of the living God. I'm a daughter of the King of Kings. And I rebuke that plan. I rebuke that selfishness. I rebuke that thing that's trying to enter into my mind and my heart. And I step into the freedom that only Jesus brings.